as a child, especially as a smaller child, if they didn't have a black girl, I really didn't fucking care. So, like, I honestly was just, like, there was a lot of stuff I just ignored. I did not care about because there was no black girl in it. It was like, where's the black girl? I want to be, like, that's what I wanted to be. So, like, you know, when I saw X-Men and they had a black girl and she was, like, a main, I was like, okay, I can fuck with that. Like, that's something I can get behind. X-Men, X-Men. In the 21st century, evil mutants led by Magneto aim to destroy the world. Only hope is X-Men. Welcome to Cerebro, the X-Men podcast where a homo and his friends dig deep into the history of Homo Superior. I'm your host, Connor Goldsmith, and with me today is Rashida Renee Ward, a fashion archivist, writer, and artist best known for her influential Tumblr and Instagram archive, How to Be a Fucking Lady. Her preservation and promotion of Black women's art has helped shape the cultural zeitgeist of the internet. And she is here today to chat with me about Aurora Monroe, Mistress of the Elements, Beautiful Wind Rider, the Weather Witch, Goddess of the Storm. Rashida, thank you for being my guest today. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. <laughs> Trying to keep it cute. You always keep it cute. So before we really dig in, I want to address a couple listener comments and questions. First, a shout out to listener Max Tang, my sister's fiance. Hey. Who is from Hong Kong and pointed out regarding episode one that if The Hand really wanted Betsy Braddock to blend in with the Hong Kong underworld, they probably should have called her Lady Cantonese instead of Lady Mandarin. You know, I have a lot of feelings about that. Like, you know, <laughs> in terms of like my top five, you know, Betsy's in my top five. Yeah, no, same. You know, I started reading this, like, in the 90s. So, like, by the time all that story had happened, wasn't that, like, the early 90s? 89 and 90, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, by the time I read that, I was, like, you know, 15. So, I just, like, you know, read back. I was, like, what the fuck is this? I'm thinking in my mind, like, she just switched bodies with, like, an Asian woman. They not only did that, but before that, they, like, did the whole Asian... I was just, like, this is a lot, girl, to unpack. It's a lot going on (laughs) to unpack. And if you, uh... If you go back, Teeny Howard, who's the writer on Excalibur right now, because Betsy did get switched back into a white lady and Kanon gets to be Psylocke herself now. And we, we sort of dug deep on that because I think that the contemporary writers at Marvel are very aware that that story is racist. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> but at the same time, it created this amazing Asian superhero, even though she like wasn't really Asian. So it's a tricky situation. But anyway, I think that Max raises a very fair point. But I would say, though, that in the context of the story, Betsy is, of course, working for the existing mainland Chinese supervillain called the Mandarin. And in the story, it seems like the hand specifically wants to intimidate the local Hong Kong triads with muscle they've brought in from the mainland. So perhaps that was an intentional choice, but thank you for the note, which is worth considering. Max, of course, speaks Cantonese, Mandarin, and completely flawless English because he is a show-off, but I love him dearly, and I'm excited that he is marrying my sister. Listener Jesse Jordan wrote in to ask the following question about Storm. Some time ago, Storm was given Stormbreaker, a mace enchanted to bestow a portion of the power of Thor to its wielder, but so much time has passed since then that even Ragnarok came and went. Does she still have Stormbreaker somewhere in her possession? And if so, why doesn't she use it more? That's a great question. I'll relate Storm's adventure in Asgard in the Cerebro character file later in this episode. But to answer quickly, first, you are thinking of Stormcaster, not Stormbreaker. Stormbreaker is the hammer wielded by Thor's alien ally, Beta Ray Bill. That's a pretty understandable mistake, so don't feel bad about it. As for Stormcaster, which is also a hammer, the mace you may be thinking of is the Thunderstrike used by Eric Masterson. Storm rejects it way back in the 80s when she realizes she's being deceived by Loki. 
It pops up again in the 2011 mini X-Men to Serve and Protect, where Thor finds it in the ruins of Asgard after Ragnarok and brings it to Storm. Things go awry pretty quickly. It's apparently destroyed by the end of that story, but it pops up again in 2018 in X-Men Gold, where it finds Storm to help her defeat the dark god Uovu in Kenya. After she defeats Uovu, the hammer disintegrates into dust because it has served its purpose. So that's the deal with Stormcaster. Finally, as a general note, I'd like to thank all the straight people, especially straight men, who commented on Twitter after last week's episode to stress, despite my slight concerns, that they are really enjoying the podcast. I was very touched by that. Thank you for choosing to spend your time with me and my relentlessly gay perspective on the X-Men. I hope I am expanding your horizons in a pleasant fashion. I have decided to affectionately refer to all cisgender heterosexual fans of Cerebro as Flatscans. So thank you to all the Flatscans listening. I appreciate you. And with that, we are going to dive right in. So Rashida, thank you again for joining me. I've been listening to Grace Jones all day to like really get in the zone Mm. for this episode. Why don't you tell me about your sort of history with the character and like what Storm means to you and and how you first came to, to know and love her? Well, I first came to just, like, comic books and stuff like that, period. Like, my brother is, like, like a big nerd nerd. Like, that's his whole thing. He's just, like, a loser. He still watches cartoons, all of that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> Very typical, like, you know, boy in that way. So, like, that was, like, the thing we bonded over because, you know, as a child, I was, like, a Barbie girl. Like, that was my, like, that mm-hmm. was my shit. That's what I gave a fuck about. So, like... <laughs> You know, they didn't have, like, a girl. I didn't care. And then as Mm -hmm. a child, especially as a smaller child, if they didn't have a black girl, I really didn't fucking care. So, like, I honestly would just, like, there was a lot of stuff I just ignored. I did not care about because there was no black girl in it. It was like, where's a black girl? I want to be, like, that's what I wanted to be. So, like, you know, when I saw X-Men and they had a black girl and she was, like, a main, I was like, okay, I can fuck with that. Like, that's something I can get behind. And I distinctly remember going to Walmart, not Walmart, Walgreens, and that was, like, that first wave of X-Men toys they had. And, like, with the, like, the light, she had, like, the light, light up, like, the light up chest. on her chest. Yeah. Yes. I remember, like, trying to steal that from, like, a Walgreens. <laughs> and... Some, and then, like, you know, that didn't work out. And then, like, I asked my mom to buy it for me. And she was just like, no. And then I started crying. And then, like, some random white guy just bought me the toy. And that's what, like, I learned, like, the power of my tears was, like, that's allyship and getting, like, the toy I wanted when my mom told me no. That was also my first action figure was that storm. Similarly, like, I only ever cared about pop culture stuff if there was a girl character in it. Exactly. And I always played as the girls in the video games. Exactly. That was just, like, my, like, little gay life. My father knew I was gay when I was three because I wanted the Barbies and not the Hot Wheels right. at McDonald's. Like, and he said to my mother, I think our son is gay. Should we talk about that? And she was just like, you're a crazy person. Why are you projecting onto a three-year-old? But he was absolutely right. She's still mad that it's, like, the one thing he's ever been right about that she was wrong about. I have, like, the same experience, except, like, it was, like, my aunt, my mom, my aunt was explaining to my mom, was, like, yeah, I don't think they're gay. I think they're this. And, like, explained to my mom, like, you know, what, like, being like trans, trans was when I was, like, yeah. four. And this was, like, in the 90s. So she was, like, very progressive to even, like, yeah. have this idea, like, this is, like, what this was. And they were Jehovah's Witnesses, too, at the time. So it was, like, they were, like, super wow. galaxy brain. Like, my mom, mom was, yeah. like, super galaxy brain with everything. Especially with me. But you grew up in a beauty salon, right? Yeah, but still. Like, they're still, like, wildly conservative. No, of course. I'm just saying, like, that's such a that's such a wonderful environment to explore femininity in. You know what that would be? An amazing book. And full disclosure, Rashida is a client of mine. And 
someday I will sell you all that book on this podcast. It's funny. My mother, my parents are also very progressive people. Right. And my mother hates when anyone tells stories about her, even if they're nice stories. But thankfully, she'll never listen to this podcast because she thinks that comic books are for nerds. So my thing was like, so Storm was my first action figure. I was obsessed with Storm as a kid. My father's an X-Men collector. So I was reading all of the Claremont back issues where like Mm. Storm is the leader of the X-Men, is like a bad bitch with a mohawk, like all of that shit. Right. And I was obsessed with her on the cartoon and I had the action figure and... So, like, at the time, growing up, essentially, my big, like, obsessions that I got into were, and this is just a funny pattern, this just, like, very white game boy. It was, like, Storm, Aaliyah, Naomi Campbell, Grace Jones, and Tyra Banks. And so my mother, who didn't understand yet that I was gay, just assumed that, like, I was really into black girls. (laughs) And... Was, like, fine with that, but she read some, you know, like, self-help books on, like, having biracial grandchildren oh just to my prepare God. herself that is for, the like, 30 years in life. the future, right? Oh, my God. And it all worked out in the end because now my sister's marrying a Chinese guy, so my mother will have biracial grandchildren. All that research paid off, but... She's just that kind of mom. Like when I told her when I was 12 that I thought, I wasn't sure if I was bi or gay, but I knew I liked boys. She was like, there's nothing wrong with that. You're completely normal. She signed up with a PFLAG newsletter. Like she got all on board. Like she's just that kind of person. She's right. always like on the case. But I do think that the bait and switch of like, oh no, mom, like I'm not into black women. I'm just gay. And like these women are all iconic. <laughs> was like a very funny. Yeah, once my mom realized I was going to be part of the LGBT mafia, she like left like the whole Joe Witness thing. She was just like, yeah, this isn't going to work amazing. out. Well, they were like, okay, you know, hopefully any Joe Witnesses aren't. Well, I don't care. They're like really weird assholes. They're like, they're such weird <laughs> assholey cult people. Like, you know, the whole, even us being into X Men as kids was like a a cause of contention for like the people in like mm-hmm. the like the church because you know it's escapism and fantasy and they just anything like that was just like no 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 no. Jehovah's Witnesses are always very nice to me because I tell them I'm Jewish and then they don't bother me anymore. Like they're because they're not supposed to try and convert. Jews because we're like grandfathered in I guess I didn't know that <laughs> did not know yeah, they're that like, oh the people are like the people of Abraham like Yeshua loves you and I'm like thank you <laughs> like you know have a great day and then we just move on with our lives so they've always been very very pleasant to me but I uh, I do understand that not everybody has that experience that's hilarious because we literally think all the other religions are like paganism right no but like we're basically we're like Jehovah classic Right. But you see how I said we? You see how I said we? The cult, it never leaves you. The cult, it never leaves you. Once you've been in, like, you can't get jumped out. Once they jump you in, you can't get jumped out at all. It stains every aspect of your mind. It stays in your head. Like, even, like, in my head, when I'm talking to other people, I think, like, you know, it's an us and them kind of thing, even though I haven't been them since, like, the 90s. Right. Well, so is that part of why Storm appealed to you? Because Storm is kind of a pagan character. Like, was she an escape in that way? Yeah, because it's like the the whole weather witch thing was just like oh cool anything like that i was like into like you know anything that was like magic she's that kind of character like she's very indigenous african religion right. i found that super cool as a kid you know what's funny you know actually that's like my least favorite storm like that's like not my like oh, really? storm i'm like punk storm like that's me that's also my favorite that's like my favorite because it's just like okay she hasn't a- she has like a character now you know she's not just like some kind of like Mother Mama Africa kind of like weather witch. Right. Kind she's of not like just like thing. exotic. Yeah. Like 
I just thought she was so beautiful in those, like, in the, the 70s issues when she's, like, the goddess. You know, I was just like, she's such a beautiful design. But yeah, no, I think she comes into her own as a character when Claremont has her go les out with Yukio in Tokyo for a week and come back, like, with a mohawk and a Grace Jones outfit on. Right. I mean, that really is just... I feel like, okay, you're, like, the super nerd here, and I haven't read some of this, like, yeah, in yeah, super yeah. billion years. I feel like there was a, a story arc when her and Yukio were together, but it wasn't, like, an old one. I want to say it was during House of M. And, like, I remember that. I remember reading that and thinking it was, like, sickening, but I do not remember what arc that was when they were together again. They had, like, really good looks, too. I forgot what it was. I have to, like, find that. I don't remember that either because there's been a couple times that they've been back together. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, yeah. basically, anytime Storm and Yukio are in a room together, it's pretty freaking electric. I mean, my favorite is in the... um in the Uncanny X-Men annual in 1987, where this alien who's like never seen again, he like dies in the issue. He's just this one-off villain, but he like shows all of the X-Men their heart's desire and like tries to tempt them with like their ultimate fantasy. And Storm's ultimate fantasy is just kicking it with Yukio in Japan. That's like all she wants to do. I love that concept. She's like, oh, my heart's desire, Yukio. And I'm just like, (laughs) yeah. It's the freedom. It's the freedom. Yukio must be a truly, truly undefeated, like, pussy-eating champion because she and Storm hang out for one week and Storm changes her entire look, her entire philosophy on the world, and all she wants to do is be like, well, I am leading the X-Men, but I would really enjoy if I could just go back to Japan for a week. That's literally what happens when you fall in love with girls. Like, you become them. It's like, I'm not joking. <laughs> you become them. Happens. I know it's like it's like Brad Pitt with all the women he dates like yeah. he just sort of morphs into them Yukio has that kind of energy she's like a actually she's like it is kind of a, an Angelina Jolie and Jenny Shimizu moment right oh that would have been good casting that would be really good casting you know who I would love to play Yukio they like cast her in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is Sonia Mizuno who's just like absolutely what was she flawless. in she's like the silent like Asian robot lady in Ex Machina and then she was in Crazy Rich Asian is the girl getting married oh yeah asked was her name astrid in that movie or was astrid the other lady astrid's Gemma chan she's uh, araminta in that okay movie. yeah yeah yeah. and then she's the, she was the star of um maniac on netflix and now she's on the show devs i feel like i watched something with her in it like recently she's just really good she's someone who i think is like about to blow up but hasn't mm. quite blown up yet but i just think she's stunning and talented and when she has a short haircut she like looks like yukio does from the comics She is half white, so that might bother people. I don't know. But I think that she would be really good in that part. I mean, you know, that's what they did with the Crazy Rich Agents movie. And they were like, you know, they were reading. Well, the character (laughs) in... In the book, I think is supposed to be like half. No, but like, like not with her Asian character, with um the guy, the lead guy. Isn't oh he, yeah, like, mixed with Henry too? Golding because he's half. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's a, that's like way above my pay grade, so I don't have strong opinions on that. You know, not my business, but you know, I I, I yeah, I, you like, know, not my business. Considering it's a similar situation with our like with Storm, I you know I have yeah, because Storm should be dark, and they have never cast her dark ever. Which is it's not, it's not only that they've never casted her dark, and like all of the people who played her have been half white. So I guess that's true. Yeah, Halle Berry is mixed. Yes, people just gloss over that. Who who would you want to play her now? Like me, in Marvel Cinematic myself, any, me. Besides any, you yourself, you I would don't, be great. You but. know what's funny? Like I'm an egomaniac, so anytime somebody thinking of casting, I'm just thinking of like I can do that. I want to do that. 
because I think I can do anything. Like, I think I'm just like the most talented mm-hmm. person in the world. They'd be like, oh, no, need I need somebody to you. sing. I can do that. I can't sing, but I'm going to do it anyway. I did see someone suggest Dominique Jackson from Pose, and I would not hate that. I love that. The nerds would flip out if they cast a trans woman in Storm, <laughs> but so, I think she would be so That good. would be so, that'd be so <laughs> sickening. That would be so sickening just because it's, it's funny. That's funny. That yeah. would be funny. Funny not like in a bad way. Funny in a way like, oh, that's going to be great. Because it would be a wink, you know, because Claremont did write her as such like a queer community kind of character right. and so it would be fun to to lean into that but yeah i've also heard people say like and i might say her name wrong, but like yatide badaki from american gods she would probably be good she has the look deborah ayarinde who was in luke cage for a minute the netflix show she's beautiful i do think they probably should cast an african actress like finally because they never have well they have to cast someone it does like you know okay i'm gonna just say that storm is open for all of us considering her dad is like african-american her dad is african-american yeah so it's not like she has to be an african actress but i feel like that might also help with the like colorism issue that they keep having with the casting girl there's you know we you know, we, we team dark skin out here. We're solid. We're out here. That's absolutely true. That's a, no, listen, if, if they want to hire Dominique Jackson, I am all over that. Well, you know, she's not <laughs> African-American. She's like, um, I think she's from Trinidad. Oh, is she from, she's from Trinidad. You're right. Yeah. That would be sickening if they found a mostly ethnic doll to play um, Storm, though. That would be great. That's true. Yeah. Just because Storm's design is intentionally sort of ethnically ambiguous like she has the white hair and the blue eyes and her eye shape is a little bit sort of like when naomi campbell is like oh my grandmother's chinese (laughs) you know what i mean i think that was intentional on cochran's part to sort of make her look exotic you know in a word so yeah you're right someone who was like multi-ethnic but like a dark-skinned black woman would also be cool but we're getting off track I love this character. When I was a kid, she was 100% absolutely my favorite. The only reason she fell out of the top spot was because, and like talking about this, unfortunately, right now, it just like feels awkward, but I didn't like the Black Panther stuff. None of the nerds like that. I don't, I, none of the nerds like that. I hear that all the time. Yeah, I didn't like that they married her off to, to, to T'Challa. And now I will say, and this is why it's sad to talk about it right now, I was interested to see what they were going to do with it in the Marvel Cinematic Universe because Chadwick Boseman made me really care about T'Challa in a way I haven't before. Mm-hmm. So I was excited to see that. And now, unfortunately, he has passed, which is like a tragedy for a million reasons more important than like, I won't get to see Storm and T'Challa interact on screen. But, you know, I would have enjoyed that because I thought his performance was so uh, nuanced and good. I just never cared for it because I'm an X-Men person. Like, I'm not really an Avengers person. Me either. Always that they were corny. Yeah, well, they're cops, first of all. It's like number, number one, one. Number frankly. one. Frankly. Like, <laughs> the only Avenger I really love is Monica Rambeau. Also a stunning, powerful black woman. Who do I like in the Avengers who is, like... Well, you know, I really, you know, the whole Wanda thing is just sexist to me. Like her whole well, character. Well, Wanda is just a mess. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like she's, she's great sometimes, but like, because she's so powerful, they always have to make her like a crazy Yeah, because she can't control Women herself. can't control it. Right. right. She's yeah. ruled by her emotions. Now she's not even Magneto's daughter. So like, I don't care about her. Yeah, me that either. That's stupid. The thing that was interesting, right? Like, which is fine. Like more time for Polaris, who is very chic in my opinion. Lorna. Lorna Dane. I'm a Lorna Dane head. Same. I've always loved her name. That's just a pussy name, Lorna Dane. It's pretty, yes. It has like a very, in the 60s, just like very chic mod girl kind of name. But yeah, my issue was that basically Storm was the biggest female character, period, at Marvel in the 90s. 
Studios. Right. She had a ride at Universal Studios. When they did the Amalgam mashup with DC, like Storm and Wonder Woman were the characters that got mashed up because she was number one. What was her, what was their name? What Amazon. Was that? That's what it was. Amazon. And it was just Storm in the Wonder Woman costume because Storm's design is so good. They were like, we're not touching that. We're not fucking with that at all. We're just going to put her in a Wonder Woman outfit with a cape. That's literally what I'm going to do for Halloween. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it was, a, it was it, she looked awesome. But as soon as they married her to Black Panther, she got sort of taken out of the X-Men books to some extent because she had to like follow him around doing whatever Avengers nonsense that I didn't care about. <laughs> and I think she fell off. And like, while she was busy being his wifey, Characters like Carol Danvers and Emma Frost really sort of replaced her as like the main Marvel women mm-hmm. for a minute. And Jessica Drew, like there were a couple people who really just sort of jumped up a bunch of ranks while she was like sleeping on them, basically. And I think it's only very recently because they got rid of the marriage in 2012. I don't like the way they got rid of the marriage. I thought it was sloppy. It was lazy. Yeah. But like, you know, I was happy that they did it because <laughs> I was just like, yes, get, get this bitch back to the X-Men where she belongs. You know, I'm always going to root for Black Love, so. And I applaud that. And listen, like, I do think that the history that they retconned together for Storm and T'Challa was good. So, like, it wasn't like I didn't understand the appeal to people generally. To me, it just took her away from her position. Yeah, you just power. don't like the Avengers. Yeah, you I don't didn't want to wear that. You don't want to read that shit. You didn't care. Right. I was like, I don't want to read Black Panther. I don't want to read the Avengers. <laughs> they, they want, like, the two of them joined the Fantastic Four for a minute. I was like, oh, I'm not so, reading the Fantastic Four. I, I'm sorry. So like, wild. no disrespect to Sue Storm, who is also a cop doing her thing. Also, kind of a cop, though. You're not wrong. Yeah. Actually, Fantastic Four wise, no disrespect to Jennifer Walters, the She Hulk, who I do adore. But yeah, I just didn't, I just didn't dig it. And I do feel like from 2012 to 2019, they were just like, shit, we got to build Storm back up. Right. Because there was also the problem of Disney was having them downplay the X-Men generally. Right. You know what I mean? So it's only really now in this new era, the Dawn of X era, that I feel like Storm is getting her flowers again. She had a one-off giant size this year, and they have promised that 2021 is going to be like a big year for Storm. I think it would be very cool to really, they've tried it a couple times, but I think like to give Storm a solo book, she's one of the only X-Men I think could really have one and and make it work. Right. I think that they should go for that. I think they should hire a black woman to write it. And I think it would be very chic. Like I would enjoy that a great deal personally. It's really wild because she was not just the most prominent female superhero at Marvel. She was also the most prominent black superhero at Marvel. Like she was For the both. longest time. Like no one gave a fuck yeah. about Black Panther or like, um, what was his name? Um, you know, Luke Cage. Or Falcon, or who else right. do they have? I mean, I love Misty Knight, but she was like a C-lister, you know what I mean? Like, a D-lister. There was nobody else really like pulling that kind of attention. And then once the Marvel Cinematic Universe made the Avengers the hugest thing in the world, which they just had never been right. comics-wise. Obviously now Black Panther is massively popular, but Storm was it. And so it's just wild to kind of see that she just fell off that pedestal so dramatically. And I love her so much that I'm, I'm excited to see them put her back on. And I do think once they bring her into the movies, which I'm, you know, I would prefer to keep the X-Men in their own movie universe like not the fox one like to start a new one right because i think when they cross over with the avengers and stuff it gets weird yeah because they're cops yeah and because the avengers can't help the x-men with the mutant problems because then there would be no story but the fact that the avengers don't help the x-men with mutant problems makes the avengers look like complete assholes exactly. so there's no real good way to deal with it 
So I would prefer to keep them separate. But whatever they end up doing, I do think once they bring her into the movie, she's going to have a big moment again. Because I think a whole new generation of kids is going to be obsessed with her the way that we were. Because she's just a baller. Like, she's so fucking cool. Right. (laughs) It doesn't get much cooler than Storm. Like, with her powers, without her powers... When I was reading this as a kid, she was, like, the coolest person I had ever encountered in my life. I remember stealing, like, the, um, you know, they used to have, like, those huge volumes of all the back issues that were, like, in black and white? Yeah. Yeah, I remember taking one of those from the library. I didn't steal it. I took it out. Check, check, checked mm-hmm. it out. I was, like, one of those kids who, like, read from the library, like, fucking Matilda or something. Um, I love that for So you. I was, like, very into libraries as a child. So I, like, read all of that. And, like, the whole shit with the Morlocks and her stabbing Callista, I was like, yes. oh, yeah. This is the bitch. Because at first I thought she she was kind of boring i remember thinking she was sickening but she's almost like the unattainable kind of like beauty because you know she had like super long straight like white hair and her eyes were like fucking blue like i i, I can't look like right. that so that wasn't like aspiration to me um so it was kind of like almost too perfect or like this idealized like african woman created by some white men so it was kind of like hard to get into in certain aspects i mean i didn't know that then because i was like you know seven but now i know that's why it was hard right for me no to, like, it, but you know, now you get that it was like that's why i was like you know did it and like my mom was not like that my mom had like short natural hair and like when i mm-hmm. like, even like i had literally a, a a barbie that was barbie kenyan barbie like barbie from fucking kenya <laughs> and like she didn't have any hair like she had like very short like hair so i'm just thinking okay that's the jam this is i didn't even know and they then, had that that's cool well, you know they, they have barbies of the world oh that's true that's they true. have barbies of the world the black barbie i had was just like her friend christy or whatever her name is who has like a weave basically yeah that's like you know i you know we can't bring up barbie because i'll be here for like a billion days <laughs> um but but i will say um it's similar like just a little bit of the world barbie thing they started them like in the 80s and it was kind of like racist because then you had like black barbie she was right. just black barbie and then asian barbie was an asian barbie a particular country it was just oriental oh geez that's not great yeah it was just like very racist but then they started like getting the barbie of the east yes like, it was really like east, that. right like hispanic <laughs> barbie who was like vaguely <laughs> hispanic but hispanic just means you speak spanish but white people just don't understand yeah. this. So I'm. it's something i learned as i got older because i'm a white person like I have like two godmothers and one of them is Colombian and like she explained to me like Colombians and Venezuelans don't like each other and I'm just like what like just to me it's all I was just like it's just South America you know what I mean they speak Spanish funny they don't like each other's accents or whatever it's like okay <laughs> cool but it's like New Yorkers and New Jerseyans don't like each other either so like that makes perfect sense you know what I mean yeah <laughs> like, I mean like listen, I'm from California things. and I'm from San Francisco and none of us in the Bay like anyone from LA and then they like just do everything and we vice do versa, right? yeah we do exactly. they do everything we do like five years later and then like lie about it and get more attention because you know everyone cares about LA but the wildest is when people like lump all the Asians in together because those countries have been at war with each other for like thousands of years right. like that's truly like there's a history there that is very complicated you gotta be careful with that exactly which is why all the Psylocke stuff honestly is really complicated anyway we'll, let, we'll, we'll be here all day if we get back into that <laughs> But it's like, she's Lady Mandarin, but the body's Japanese. Right. So it was like, that was my whole thing with Storm. Like, you know, even like reading back up on like her, like how they even designed her. Like they didn't, they weren't thinking of, it was like her being black seemed like an afterthought. It seems like, oh, we're going to just tack this on here. Well, they wanted, they definitely wanted. To make a diversiana. Yeah. One of the characters to be African. Right. That was like something that they wanted. And Dave Cockrum had designed a black superheroine called Trio, but that 
book got rejected. And so he reused some of that design. And I do think that was his idea. But like Roy Thomas, the editor-in-chief, did say the 60s team of X-Men was like all white kids from New York. And we like want to make this team a little more modern for 1975. And I do think that that was groundbreaking. I mean, Misty Knight debuts like a couple months before Storm, but... Misty Knight was not that major a character. Mm -hmm. Storm is really the first black woman in any Marvel or DC comic book to have a major starring role. And it was a moment. Like, it really was a game changer. Shutting it the fuck down. But I do agree with you that the moment she becomes truly much more interesting is in 1983 in Uncanny 170 when she and Callisto have that duel. All the other X-Men are just sort of like, Storm, you can't do this. Or whatever. And Storm is just like... Y'all have no idea. I grew up on the streets of Cairo as a thief. She has a fever of like 104 (laughs) because plague touched her. So she's like all fucked up and she doesn't use her powers at all. And she stabs Callisto to death with her own knife. And then like healer saves Callisto's life. But Storm is just like, oh, I'm sorry. You thought. Like you thought. That's really a turning point for the character. I mean, it's not long after that that she does the mohawk look and has her like self-discovery bisexual journey with Yukio. Right. Depowered Mohawk Storm is my favorite storm. When she defeats Cyclops for leadership of the team with no powers. No powers. It is one of the most awesome issues of the X-Men ever. Like, that is so fucking good. No one likes Scott. No one likes Scott. Scott has his moments. I such a narc. I'm a Madeline Pryor stan, so my feelings on Scott are extremely... um, Negative? Complicated. Yeah, let's say. But I'm doing a Scott episode soon with, like, a real super fan of that character, and I'm excited to, like, go back and forth. Because my father also... My father, like, grew up reading this starting in the 60s, and so Scott and Gene were, like, his OTP. Like, he loved them. He identified with Scott. His biases... His ultimate bias. (laughs) Exactly. So I enjoy, like, he always gets upset when I'm just like, but then Scott abandoned his wife and child. My dad's like, okay, but like, that was mandated by editorial because of X Factor. I'm like, I know, but he did do it. I had one of those Madeline Pryor, like, um, she had like, remember like the X-Men cards, like in the 90s? Yeah, it was that guy, like, Boris Vallejo, all that shit. Boris Vallejo. Yeah, I had the Goblin Queen one. And my mom that took is a it away from me. Trading card. She took yeah, it away from me. It's she said it was too sexual. And I was like, <laughs> what are you talking about? And I've been obsessed, obsessed with that silhouette my entire fucking life. That's so funny sickening. that you say that because on the Emma Frost episode that I did a couple weeks ago with Alex Abad Santos, he had his Emma Frost trading card confiscated at school because it was too sexual. And he was just like, I'm gay. She's just a pretty lady. Like, leave me alone. Right. See that? Oh my god, I remember those. I had all the Storm ones. I had all the trading cards. My favorite Storm ones, did you have the one that was like, they did like a special edition where it was like the Halloween edition of cards and they all had like costumes on? Yeah, That was like my favorite. I think she was like a witch, of course. Yeah, obviously. The Weather Witch. Yes. So good. Well, that's a good moment, I think, to segue into the Cerebro character file. This one is going to be a little long. They all run longer than I think they will. But Storm was Chris Claremont's signature character, was his absolute favorite character. Certainly his favorite character, the ones he did not create. But I mean, given that he invented her backstory and is the one who reshaped her so much, he kind of did create her in a sense. You know, like he he credits Ween and Cockrum with all those characters from Giant Size. He actually thinks that Len Wein is super underappreciated in the history of the X-Men because if not for that revamp of the team, it never would have gone anywhere. But 
she was really his star. Right. So there's a lot of Storm-centric shit. Like, in this character file, I'm going to skip over most of the 90s, and it's still going to be really freaking long, because the oh 70s God. and 80s by themselves are just relentless with Storm. I'm, like, trying to remember the 90s stuff, but it's all, like, so... Honestly, I remember... what was Age of name? Apocalypse is cool. <laughs> I don't That's even about remember it. Age of Apocalypse Storm. What was her look? I don't think I liked it. She had like a pixie cut. Oh, you know. Yeah. It was not good. It was fine. I mean, you, you, she looked different. That was the point, right? Like they all looked different. Right. Otherwise, the 90s, it was like the legacy virus. That storyline sucks. <laughs> then you get to like Operation Zero Tolerance. I don't know. It was just not, it was not great in that period for me. And then Grant Morrison really brought it back. With new X-Men, except they wouldn't let him use Storm, which is why he used Emma Frost instead. Claremont was using Storm on Extreme X-Men, which I wasn't, like, crazy about, but... I didn't like it because I was upset because I liked, um, what was the guy's art, what was the artist who did, like, the original, like, the new, not the original, but, um, when they took it over and, like, redid it with him and all of them. Um, what was that artist? I wanted him to Frank draw Storm. Frank Quitely. Yes, because I love his art style. I wanted him to draw Storm. I wanted to see who he'd do with that. Yeah. I thought it was pussy, and I was so mad. Like, the Extreme X-Men was, like, cute character-wise, but, like, I don't know. I just don't remember. I don't even remember the stories. I just remember something with Sage. It was just, like, really, you know. The Honestly, the only thing that was really cool about Extreme X-Men was the revamp of Tessa into Sage, which mm. was, like, a very cool... Chris Claremont reinvention of a character, which he's very good at. She was very pussy. She was. One might even say she's cunt. Yes. Um, not to, you know, be too vulgar on this podcast. We mean that in the, like, queer clubs of New York and California kind of way, not in an offensive way, um, to be clear. Forgot you have to explain uh, that to people. That's so funny. Just for the flat scans listening, that's a compliment. All right, so I'm going to jump into the Storm character file, and then we will come back to talk about your favorite storylines and mine. Okay. So we'll be right back. X-Men, X-Men. Aurora Monroe, called Storm, is one of the most popular and celebrated X-Men characters. Introduced in May 1975's Giant Size X-Men No. 1 by writer Lynn Wein and artist Dave Cockrum, she is the lone female member of the second Genesis team, recruited by Professor Xavier from around the world. Over the decades that followed, primarily under writer Chris Claremont, Storm would grow into the leader of the X-Men and, for many years, the most prominent female character at Marvel Comics. After Marvel Editor-in-Chief Roy Thomas stipulated that the new team of X-Men should be an international and multicultural team, Dave Cockrum got to work designing an African female character. His initial design, a feline mutant called Black Cat, wore what would become Storm's costume, which was partially derived from a design for a black superheroine called Trio from Cockrum's rejected DC Comics book The Outsiders, but she had a very different hairstyle, dark and resembling a cat's ears, and wore no cape. During the development of the new X-Men, a number of new cat-themed characters, like Tigra, were introduced at Marvel, making Cockrum feel his black cat design was redundant. Roy Thomas looked over Cockrum's other rejected designs for the DC Comics book The Outsiders and suggested he combine the X-Men design for Black Cat with the proposed Outsiders character Typhoon, a male character with the power to control the weather. The long, loose hairstyle of the proposed Bird Woman Outsiders character Quetzal was also incorporated, and Storm's design was finalized. Four years later, Cockham would reuse the codename Black Cat for another female character he created, the Spider-Man villain turned anti-heroine Felicia Hardy. While not technically the first black superheroine, Storm was the first black woman to be a regular character in a superhero team book, and the first black female character to play a truly major role at either Marvel or DC, with the exception of street-level Marvel character Misty Knight, who debuted a few months earlier. 
With the meteoric rise of the X-Men, Storm would quickly become the most prominent black superhero in comics overall, quickly eclipsing existing male Marvel characters like the Black Panther, Falcon, and Power Man Luke Cage. Her distinctive visual design, with dark skin, blue eyes, and stark white hair, helped make her one of the most instantly recognizable characters in comic books. In Whedon Cockrum's Giant Size X-Men No. 1, Aurora first appears in Kenya, near the Kilimanjaro Valley in the Tanzanian Serengeti, where she is worshipped as a goddess by local tribes. Though the tribes don't offer her animal sacrifices if she will alleviate a drought by calling forth rain, Aurora refuses any payment for the use of her gifts. She takes to the skies and brings down the storm to her grateful followers. Charles Xavier, who has witnessed this display of power, expresses his admiration for Aurora and explains to her that she is not a goddess, but rather a mutant, a human with a special superhuman talent, and asks her to come with him to train in her powers and see the wider world. Sensing the sincerity in his words, Aurora accepts and becomes the X-Man called Storm, the most powerful member of the new team. On their first mission, she helps rescue the 60s X-Men from the living island Krakoa, and combines her own power with Lorna Dane's magnetism to blast Krakoa into outer space. Over the next two issues of the new run, plotted by Len Wein and scripted by new writer Chris Claremont, Storm and her new comrades battle Count Nefaria and his Animen and witness the death of their teammate Thunderbird. Claremont then assumed full writing duties on the book, and six issues later in X-Men 101, he establishes Storm's one weakness, her crippling claustrophobia. The following issue unveils Aurora's backstory. Born in Harlem to Kenyan tribal princess Ndare and African-American international photojournalist David Monroe, at six months old she moves with her parents to Cairo, Egypt, where David is taking a new job. When she's five years old, during the 1956 Suez Crisis, British, French, and Israeli forces invade Egypt. David Monroe tries to guide his wife and daughter to the American embassy to escape a French bombing raid, but when a French fighter jet is damaged overhead, the pilot ejects leaving his plane to crash land below and explode. Aurora's parents are killed instantly, and she is trapped in the rubble beside their corpses. Traumatized, she falls unconscious, and when she wakes, she is alone, compressed even more tightly into the crushing debris. Managing to claw her way free, she wanders the streets until she is discovered by Ahmed al-Jabbar, a benevolent local thief king, who takes her in alongside his other street urchins and trains her to become the finest pickpocket in Cairo. When she is 12 years old, Aurora feels a pull to the south deep in her heart, and walks for a year until she reaches the Serengeti, the native land of her mother's people. There she becomes the storm goddess seen in Giant Size X-Men number 1, but the trauma of her experience as a small child has left her with the horrible claustrophobia the X-Men are witnessing in the present. This character element was presumably added for the same reason Superman at DC Comics is vulnerable to kryptonite. Storm is an overwhelmingly powerful character who outstrips all her teammates by nearly any metric. Without a critical weakness, she is too capable of solving any problem the X-Men may come across. In 1978's X-Men 113, Storm uses her thievery skills from childhood, as well as a set of lockpicks secretly hidden inside her costume's headdress, to free herself and the other X-Men from the clutches of Magneto's eerie robotic servant Nanny. Further flashbacks reveal more of her training with Ahmed El-Jabbar, and four issues later, in Uncanny X-Men 117, the reader learns that as a child, Aurora briefly met Charles Xavier in Cairo. Seeing him as just another tourist ripe for pickpocketing, she skillfully lifted his wallet. He stopped her with a psychic suggestion, able to feel her latent mutant powers, and was about to investigate further when he was attacked by mutant crime lord Amal Farouk, the Shadow King. Aurora ran away, and Xavier would not learn her identity until many years later, when he approached her in Kenya to join the X-Men.
Over the course of her early adventures with the X-Men, Storm forges close bonds with Colossus, whom she regards as something of a little brother, and Jean Grey, who becomes her best friend after rejoining the team, and helps Aurora acclimate to the Western world. In 1980's Marvel Team-Up 100, a short story by Chris Claremont establishes that when she was 12, Aurora rescued a young T'Challa, the future Black Panther, from a racist attack. This story would be used by later writers as the basis for crafting a complex history between Aurora and T'Challa via retcon. Storm is devastated by Jean Grey's death in 1980's The Dark Phoenix Saga, and after Cyclops retires from the X-Men, she is appointed team leader to replace him. Though initially unsure of this role, she's encouraged by her teammates and quickly proves herself a capable leader. Becoming the chief mentor to Xavier's new student Kitty Pride, Storm gives the girl her first code name, Sprite. While Cyclops eventually returns to the team, Aurora affirms her role as leader and refuses to cede her position back to him. The next few years feature a number of Storm-focused storylines, like a memorable temporary body swap with the White Queen Emma Frost, a few adventures in space including a traumatic conflict with the parasitic aliens The Brood, a nasty experience with the anti-mutant evangelical preacher Reverend William Stryker, and a series of encounters with the powerful vampire Dracula, who seeks to make Storm his bride. In 1982's Uncanny X-Men 160, when the X-Men travel to the Hell Dimension Limbo to rescue Colossus's sister Ilyana Rasputin, they are aided by an older version of Storm created by a split timeline, who has spent years in Limbo and become a powerful sorceress. In 1983's Uncanny X-Men 169 and 170, This Angel Fallen and Dancing in the Dark, the former X-Men Warren Worthington III, codenamed Angel, is kidnapped by the Morlocks, a group of mutants who live in secret in the sewer system and subway tunnels beneath Manhattan. Their leader, Callisto, who believes herself hideous, is obsessed with Warren's beauty and is intent on forcing him to marry her. Nightcrawler attempts to duel Callisto to secure Warren's release, but when the team is informed that leadership challenges among the Morlocks are duels to the death, Storm orders Nightcrawler to stand down. She takes his place, declaring it her responsibility as the X-Men's leader. Despite suffering from a fever due to an attack by the Morlock called Plague, Storm defeats Callisto in single combat, stabbing the Morlock leader in the heart with her own dagger. The Morlock called Healer manages to save Callisto's life, but Storm is declared the new leader of the Morlocks, and she orders that they cease all hostilities against surface dwellers. A few issues later, Storm and the X-Men travel to Japan to attend Wolverine's upcoming wedding to Mariko Yoshida, daughter of the crime boss Lord Shingen. In Japan, Storm meets Madeline Pryor, Cyclops' girlfriend, and is startled by her resemblance to the late Jean Grey. She also meets Yukio, Lord Shingen's most valued and skilled assassin, with whom she feels an instant connection after they face off together against the villains Viper and Silver Samurai. After Wolverine's wedding, Storm spends a week in Tokyo with Yukio, and when she returns to the X-Men, she has a bold new look. She's traded in her more elegant costume for a black leather punk outfit, and has shaved her flowing white hair into a mohawk. This visual transformation underlines the character growth Storm has experienced, going from a naive fish out of water to the commanding leader of the X-Men, and reflects the harsher experiences Storm has had recently with both the Brood and the Morlocks, both of which have left her with a slightly darker outlook. In 1984's Uncanny X-Men 185, Government agent Henry Peter Gyrick attempts to use a mutant power-nullifying gun, developed by the mutant inventor Forge, to neutralize the threat posed by the former terrorist and recent X-Men recruit Rogue. In the ensuing battle, Storm is hit with the gun by mistake and loses her mutant powers, apparently forever. Forge, furious that Gyrick has used his prototype without proper testing, and horrified that it has been used to harm not only an innocent woman, but a superhero who has saved humanity on several occasions, takes Storm to his home in Dallas to recover. 
Aurora feels suicidal after the loss of her powers, but is charmed by Forge, whom she does not know invented the weapon that has ruined her life. When she discovers the truth, she attacks him, calling him a traitor to the mutant race, though she still helps him fight off the aliens called the Dire Race. After an adventure fighting alongside Callisto, Storm takes a leave of absence from the X-Men to adjust to her new life. She returns to Kenya, where she battles the neo-Nazi supervillain twin siblings Fenris, and is recognized as the weather goddess Aurora. Knowing she was never truly a goddess, but rather a mutant, Storm now feels like neither. She's still gracious in accepting the thanks of the locals. On a long hike in the Serengeti, where she hopes to feel at home in nature, Storm is hunted down for revenge by Fenris, who shoot her and leave her for dead. She survives and has a moving experience with local villagers that renews her will to live, with or without her powers. She then joins Xavier's new class of students, the New Mutants, in Cairo, where she helps rescue their classmate Karma from possession by Amal Farouk, the Shadow King. After the New Mutants save Karma, Storm offers to take them on a vacation. While they're recuperating, the group is captured by the Asgardian trickster god Loki, who spirits them away to Asgard. Loki deceives Aurora into accepting a hammer, Stormcaster, that makes her a true goddess of the storm, like his brother Thor. With the help of the X-Men, Storm finds the strength to reject this corrupting power, and returns to Xavier's. Still powerless, she bonds with Cyclops' human wife, Madeline Pryor, who gives birth to her child with Scott while the X-Men are away, and is upset that he has been ignoring her in the final days of her pregnancy. With a recently reformed Magneto now attempting to head up the school at Xavier's request, Cyclops insists on staying to lead the X-Men, as he does not trust Magneto. Madeline objects, and Storm suggests that she and Cyclops duel for leadership. Despite her complete lack of superpowers, Aurora defeats Scott, who formally retires from superheroics to focus on his new life as a father. Until Jean Grey comes back from the dead and he abandons his wife and child, not long afterward, but we'll get into that on his episode. In the 1986 franchise-wide event Mutant Massacre, the Morlocks are slaughtered en masse by the Marauders, a group of mass-murdering evil mutants. Storm is devastated by the carnage, as she feels responsible for the Morlocks and has neglected them since losing her powers. After Shadowcat, Nightcrawler, and Colossus are grievously injured in battle with the Marauders, and the ever-gentle Colossus is driven to kill, Storm believes that she has led both the X-Men and the Morlocks into disaster. She runs off into the woods, pursued by Callisto. The two women have a fistfight, and Callisto, expressing her grudging respect for Storm's leadership, convinces Aurora to return to the mansion. During their fight, a lightning storm erupts on the horizon, perhaps hinting that Storm's powers are beginning to return. After the mutant massacre, Storm decides the X-Men must become more proactive, attacking their enemies instead of simply reacting to threats as they come. She and Magneto jointly accept membership in the Lord's Cardinal of the Hellfire Club, sharing the title of White King, in the hopes that an alliance between the X-Men and the Lord's Cardinal will provide further protection for Xavier's school if the Marauders attack there again. In 1987's Uncanny X-Men 220, Storm seeks out Forge to see if there is some way to restore her powers. She and Forge are shunted into another dimension by the cosmic being called the Adversary, an evil entity who has long been opposed by the mystics of Forge's Native American tribe, the Cheyenne. With time moving differently in this other world, Storm and Forge spend a year together attempting to return to their own universe. In the time they spend there, Storm forgives Forge, understanding he did not intend for what happened to her, and the two fall in love. Eventually, Forge uses parts from his cybernetic leg to invent a new device that restores Storm's mutant powers at last, and she uses her regained abilities to supercharge a dimensional portal and take them home. They arrive amid the 1988 event Fall of the Mutants, in which the X-Men and the government superteam Freedom Force, formerly known as Mystique's Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, 
have joined forces against the adversary. Alongside the other X-Men and Cyclops' now-estranged wife Madeline Pryor, Aurora sacrifices her life to empower a spell cast by Forge that banishes the adversary. Grateful for their selflessness, the Omniversal Guardian Roma resurrects the X-Men in secret. Storm and Wolverine decide this is the perfect opportunity to implement Storm's proposed Plan Omega, in which the team was to fake their deaths and operate undercover. They establish a new base of operations in Australia, where Storm continues to lead the team, launching missions around the world with the help of the Aboriginal teleporter Gateway and unofficial X-Man Madeline Pryor, who runs the team's communication systems from their base. In the 1989 event Inferno, Storm and the X-Men once more do battle with the Marauders beneath Manhattan, and find themselves caught in the middle of a demonic invasion of the city. It turns out that Madeline Pryor, corrupted by the demons Sim and Nastir, is the architect of the madness, which shocks and dismays Storm. It is also revealed that Madeline had hidden the fact of Jean Grey's resurrection from the X-Men, and Aurora has a heartfelt reunion with her long-lost best friend. Storm apparently kills the demon Nastir by overloading him with electricity, and the rival X-Men and X-Factor teams join forces to end the Inferno and battle the true villain of the event, Mr. Sinister, both the employer of the Marauders and the creator of Madeline Pryor, revealed in a retcon to be actually a clone of Jean Grey given life by the Phoenix Force. Sinister is apparently slain by Cyclops, and the X-Men return to Australia. In the fall of 1989, Storm is captured by the insane supervillain Nanny, not to be confused with Magneto's creepy robot of the same name from back in the 70s, who seeks to liberate mutant children by murdering their parents and taking them in as orphans. Nanny fakes Storm's death with a S.H.I.E.L.D. life model decoy, and uses her technology to regress Storm in age to childhood. Nanny's brainwashing fails to take, but Storm is stuck as a preteen with no memories of the X-Men, and once she escapes, she takes up thieving once again to survive. She's targeted by her old enemy, the Shadow King, and rescued by the mutant thief Gambit, with whom she establishes a partnership. Once she regains her memories, Storm takes Gambit to meet the X-Men, and is restored to her proper age in the 1991 event Extinction Agenda, after scientists experiment on her in the anti-mutant apartheid state Genosha. The 1991 relaunch of the X-Men saw the X-Men and X-Factor rosters reunite as one group again, split into two squads called the Blue Team, led by Cyclops, and the Gold Team, led by Storm. Storm leads this team throughout the 90s, after Claremont's unexpected departure from the franchise soon after Extinction Agenda. In 2001, a reinstated Claremont made Storm team leader in his new book Extreme X-Men, where she leads a splinter group that cuts ties with the Xavier School to hunt down the diaries of the deceased precognitive mutant Destiny, which allegedly described the entire future of mutant kind. After this series, she reunites with her childhood friend T'Challa, the Black Panther and King of Wakanda, and a romance blossoms between them that leads to their marriage in 2006, in a move that was explicitly stated by Marvel to be an attempt to draw in more African-American and female readers. Aurora and T'Challa's history together was heavily retconned in new flashback stories, including one that depicts her losing her virginity to him when they were young. As the Black Panther's wife and Queen of Wakanda, Storm was pulled away from the X-Men books to some extent, only serving with the team part-time, and in my opinion, the character's star dimmed dramatically. She went from the leader of the X-Men and Marvel's most prominent female superhero, once mashed up with Wonder Woman during the DC Comics crossover event Amalgam Comics, to a character ultimately subordinate to one of the Avengers. In her absence, female characters like Carol Danvers and Emma Frost arguably became higher profile than her in the broader Marvel universe. Aurora and T'Challa's marriage ultimately ends in the 2012 event Avengers vs. X-Men, in which the Black Panther sides with the Avengers and Storm sides with the X-Men. T'Challa has their marriage annulled, shocking Aurora. 
She returns to the X-Men, eventually leading them to war with the Inhumans in the event Inhumans vs. X-Men, which we are not going to talk about. In the 2019 franchise-wide soft reboot Dawn of X by Jonathan Hickman, Storm is established as part of the ruling Quiet Council on Krakoa, the new mutant sovereign nation. She takes on an almost religious role in Krakoa's culture, publicly celebrating her fellow mutants whenever they are resurrected by the powers of the Five. After turning down Emma Frost's offer to be Red Queen of the new Hellfire Trading Company, Storm nevertheless joins up with Red Queen Kitty Pride as part of the new team The Marauders, a name Storm does not care for given its associations, but which Kitty has decided to reclaim. With these new Marauders, Storm begins seeking out and liberating mutant refugees from nations that refuse to recognize Krakoan sovereignty. One of the most dynamic and significant characters in the history of the X-Men franchise, Storm is finally coming into her own again after nearly a decade in an ill-fitting supporting role as Black Panther's wife. Marvel has promised that 2021 will be a big year for Storm, and I can't wait to see what clouds are brewing on the horizon. X-Men! X-Men! And we're back! Thank you for sticking with us through that long accounting of Aurora Monroe's storied history. Rashida, I'm just excited to let you go off because this is your girl. She is. She's like one of my favorite bitches. And I was like sitting here thinking of like, what is like my favorite storm? Like, look, I remember, I don't know what part of the 90s this was. I think this was like after they did like, you know, they got, they stayed with those looks from like, um, you know, when they did the, the blue team, gold team, whatever. The Jim Lee looks from 91. Yeah. Where she had like the white bodysuit with the red X's over her boobs. Yeah. Never my favorite. Um, the, um, the one that I liked, I think it was one after that she had like a bob and like the two like she had like a bob but then like the two pieces of hair were like super long in the front and her belly was out and i remember they did like action figures of those and the original one had like super long hair and then they came in with like the new look with the new bob mold and i have both of those i still have the long hair one but i don't have the bob one anymore um it's like the only storm i have left from like a child like as a child it's like the Mm -hmm. um i think it was like a the set of toys was like Danger Room or something. I don't know. I had all those fucking toys. I had all the storms. I had, I had so many action figures. Yeah. I had every storm. Every storm in Psylocke they made. Right. Oh my God. They are, they're like all up in the attic. I should like find them and put them on display somewhere now that I'm doing this podcast. The only kid toys I kept were my, um I kept my stuffed animals and like the Barbies I didn't open. Because mm-hmm. my mom would buy certain Barbies that I wasn't allowed to open. I would be like, why? And she's like, you're going to want these when you're older. Like, trust me, please. They'll be valuable someday. Yeah. Well, not valuable. I'm not selling them. These are my little bitches to look at. But you're going to display them. I have unopened like the Cordelia Chase action figure from Angel. Oh. And the Emma Frost action figure from Gen X. Those are like my two unopened action figures that sit like with their hardbacks like above my desk. I feel like if I was on Buffy, I would be Cordelia because I really would just not you like would. any of them. Because they were such fucking losers. They were not nice people. They I was weren't. always Cordelia. Always. You know, you know Cordelia was supposed to be black. Of course. But you know, that's coded. They always make us bitches. Well, I mean, I guess they, they opened it to all ethnicities. But initially, it was Bianca Lawson who was cast in the part. Gabriel Union would have killed that. I mean, listen, I think Charisma Carpenter killed that part dead, so it all worked out, but... Bianca plays a good bitch, too. Yeah, but I think it would have been messy for, like, the mean bitch girl who they all hate on all the time to be the only black person on the show. Like, I mean, but that's accurate of, like, how it goes when you go to, like, a white... <laughs> when you're, like, a hot black girl and you go to a white school, right. that's exactly how they treat you anyway. You can be the nicest girl in the world, you're always gonna get bitch from the white girls. Like, oh my god. You say one thing to them and they literally start fucking crying. It's, like, the funniest thing. As a person who 
who like mm-hmm. had a dual reality of like having to engage with white women sometimes like in certain settings that it's, you would just be looking around like oh my god please like why are you crying <laughs> It's like, why are you crying? Like, oh my God, that never happened. I didn't even say anything that mean. Right, that never happens with the other black girls. They would just say something mean back and then you would become friends. Like, that's really, I thought that's how this worked, but you know, apparently not. <laughs> like, you know. That's how gay men also kind of work. And also like gay men and trans women. And tra- like, I have a lot of trans women friends and I feel like it's the same. Oh, really? Playful. I can't tell. I can't tell oh, at I all, know, right? right? <laughs> Right. No, it's not like we bonded instantly, like the moment we got on the phone together. Right. But um, where were we? What were we talking about? You were talking about your favorite Storm look. Yeah. I think my favorite Storm looks are obviously the Grace Jones Dykes on Bikes look from the 80s with the mohawk. For the flat scans, that's a group of lesbians who ride motorcycles together in like queer parades and stuff and are really cool. Rachel Summers also has like a very Dykes on Bikes aesthetic, which I enjoy very much. That's probably like my ultimate favorite, but I also do love the original Dave Cockrum design, like that swimsuit with the the cape that connects to her wrist. Right. I thought that was very like elegant. And then that headdress, which is like who who knows where he came up with that one. It's probably from the Legion of Superheroes designs, but it's not like an African At headdress. All. But it just looks cool as shit. And I will say, like, I really like the outfit they have her wearing now. But I'm not crazy about the ponytail. Mm. Like, I prefer her hair either big and loose or in a mohawk. Like, those are sort of my two storm modes that I enjoy. And the big ponytail is different. So, like, I get that they're going for a different... They want everybody to look a little fresh. So, it's, like, definitely a change-up that I don't, I'm not opposed to. But what I do miss is that when she has that ponytail look and it's pulled back tight like that, you can't really have the headdress. Right. And the headdress to me is like such a, if she's not doing the mohawk, I want her to have the headdress on. Right. That's just sort of like my thing. So since you're like more of a nerd about this than I am, finally I found somebody who can like, who knows more than I do about something. I love that. Congratulations. Like, I what, love being that for people. Where is her daddy's family at? Like where, what's up with that? Like, I do not think that has literally ever been explored. I actually would have to think about it. Because the only reason I feel like that her father is American is that it makes her like an American citizen, which makes the plot easier. Right. Like she was born in Harlem, so it's fine. The only character that I recall is like at one point during all the Black Panther stuff, she has a cousin who like grew up in Harlem and like his mother was a drug addict who died of AIDS, which is like, okay. That's not coded at all. <laughs> I was like, this is a little coded, like sort of about Harlem. It felt like to me, I don't know. It felt a little shady. It reminds me of that scene in the way we were when they asked her where she, like when Barbara, they asked Barbara's character where like, you know, Oh, your hair is beautiful. She's like, yeah, I went to get straight in in Harlem. And then she had said something about like, do you have friends in Harlem? I always thought that was the funniest shit I've ever heard in my life. Well, because listen, Jewish girls in New York know that the way to get those curls tamed is to go to the black salon. They know. You know, you go to the black girls or the other black girls who are, you know, conditionally black, the Dominican girls, and get your hair done. That's what I'm saying. The Dominican salons or the salons up in Harlem. You know, like, everybody knows you that. Know, you Every can't, Jewish girl. You can't mess with the Dominicans, though, because they will put some perm in your hair in a minute and tell you it is conditioner. <laughs> I wouldn't know. It's well, not, yeah, you I wouldn't. haven't had the experience. That's your struggle. But Kitty Pride and Storm bond immediately. And I was like, you know that Kitty 
Kitty has those curls. Kitty knows exactly. That's my favorite X-Men panel when she called her out of her name. I was just like, oh my God, this is the funniest (laughs) shit I've ever seen in my life. I know he thought he was really doing it too with that one. He thought he was being, they were being so impactful. Like false equivalency, false equivalency. Oh, you mean the M word part? Yes. That's not Storm. That's with Stevie Hunter. Is that what it was? Yeah, yeah. It's like Stevie Hunter doesn't understand why Kitty's so upset. Yes, the dance teacher. Because someone someone calls Stevie a mutie lover. Yes. And Stevie doesn't like really get why Kitty's so upset. And Kitty's like, well, like Stevie, what if someone called me an M-word lover? And she like starts to cry and like runs away. See, white fragility. That's why I never could get with her. Here's the thing about Kitty. I, I get that, listen, Claremont was trying with that stuff. And some of those speeches, they really work. There's that one, though, where she drops, like, seven racial slurs. I mean, she starts with Kike, to be fair. So she, like, starts with herself. But, like... I did not know what that was until that Michael Jackson song. Wait, Michael Jackson used the word Kike Yes, in song? it was, like, a whole huge thing, like, in the 90s. You know that one song, They Don't Really Care About Us, when he was, like, in Brazil? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like no, you're thing. right. I forgot. Yeah, it was, like, a whole thing. I forgot thing. he did that. Which, I forgot that that word is in that song. <laughs> you know. That's my favorite thing about Michael. Looking the way he did, but he was like, you know, basically Farrakhan, but looking like a white woman, but whatever. I choose to have no comment on this podcast. <laughs> love Janet. I'll just say I love Janet. You know, I'm a troll. I'm a you know, I can't help it, you know. I also love Rebby Jackson. Centipede is a banger. Oh, girl, you know, you know, I love all of them girls. You know, Reby, you know, they were supposed to have a group themselves that never, you know. Is it Reby? Am I saying that wrong? What happened? Is it Reby? Am I saying it wrong? Yeah, no, it's Reby. Yeah, it's Reby. Not, you know. Oh, okay. I said Reby. I you only know Rebby. Centipede. You know, the world only knows Centipede because it's a classic. And well, Michael after Centipede, it. she was like, I'm not really into this. Whereas like Janet and LaToya, Janet was obviously like a complete star. And LaToya was like, me too. And I love LaToya, but it just never, it never quite happened for her, unfortunately. Toy toy. Anyway, yeah. So that's the only like Monroe relative I can recall. He came to her wedding to T'Challa in Wakanda and was like, oh my God, I've come from my humble, like my mom died of AIDS in Harlem life. And look at this beautiful land of Wakanda. So I felt like it was very coded in a way that was, I don't know, again, above my pay grade, but it felt a little insulting to African-Americans to me, actually. I mean, it is. But also, it's just kind of like, that's such a weird thing. Because I was like, where's her, like, black, like, where's her black side at? Like, you have, like, a whole family, like, in Harlem who don't know you. Right. It doesn't make sense. It makes sense. no sense. They moved to Cairo for her dad's job when she's, like, six months old. Right. But still, it's like, you don't have any aunts who, like, write you letters? Like, you don't have anything? That makes no sense. It seems... Weird. And then I remember in uh, in the Evolution cartoon, they had that, like, original character Spike that they invented, right. who was just ma- Marrow. I hated that boy. show so much. Oh, my God. I was not an Evolution person. It was weird. Like, here's the thing. I, I, I understand why people like it, because it was not, like, a bad show by any means. I found the choices they made with the character ages so strange. Right. Like, the fact that Storm and Wolverine were, and Hank were teachers, and Scott and Jean were, like, teenage students. It was, like, so weird to right. me. I need the character relationships to be somewhat like it's okay if the adaptation is different like the animated series from the early 90s they changed up the stories a lot right. but all of the character relationships were pretty much the mm-hmm. same and like that's what i need because to me like i'm too invested in these characters for it to be like i don't want to think about how wolverine is the gym teacher and like gene is seven right because i know that in the comics he wants to fuck her so like i don't want to be watching this tv show having that thought process you know what i mean right. like i just found that peculiar 
but no, I mean, Storm has never been that connected to her family in general. She sometimes gets, like, back in touch with, it was established by Claremont that, like, the white hair and blue eyes actually aren't a mut- aren't part of her mutant thing. It's just, like, she's from this weird line of priestesses in Kenya who, like, had, I guess, like, selective albinism or something as part of their, like, magical whatever. What do they call that? Like, that sounds like, you know, what the feminists call a male fantasy, a white male fantasy. Uh, oh, hot. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Hi- hot black chick who's like, you know, like a part of a line of ancient priestesses who are all hot and blonde. Yes. It's very much a uh, like H. Ryder Haggard's she who must be obeyed mm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's like a trope in anime, actually. Like in manga, is like they always have these black characters who have like white hair. Yeah. There's well, so it's many. visually striking, right? Yeah, like, I guess. It, it Storm became such a starring character because you can slap her face on anything. And like my mother, who does not know comic books, goes, oh, that's Storm from the X-Men. Like, because it's a very distinctive visual design. Right. But yeah, I mean, there are political complications. You know, when they did the Met Gala for the um, the superhero exhibit, they did the Met Gala, like, what was that, years ago, like in the 2000s or something? When Anna mm-hmm. went, her outfit, she said, was inspired by Storm. She had Carl do her like this over-the-top Chanel Okator thing, and that was supposed to be, like, her Storm moment. Like, there's a video of her on the red carpet talking about it. You know who looks like Storm is uh, my friend and client, Eve Ani, who you also know. You know, I love who her. Who always has incredible platinum hair and is, like, a Nigerian queen and is just so stunning. <laughs> but I, that's, you know what? When I'm like, who should play Storm in the movie? Cast EVA in that movie. She would kill that, actually. I, I still want that. I'm still going to always advocate for myself. Either either <laughs> of you, I would. I can't choose between my clients. I love you all equally. For any role. Like, if I had it my way, like, I would be playing Storm and I would, like, somehow convince Na- them to, like, cast Naomi as Emma just so I can play with Naomi in a movie. Opposite Naomi. Yeah, that would just be funny. Honestly, like, Naomi obviously is older than they would want for Storm, (laughs) but but Naomi still looks about 30 years old. You could just cast Naomi. Naomi doesn't have Storm energy, though. She doesn't have Storm energy. No, it's true. You know who Naomi should play? If you're going to, like, not Emma, if you're going to, like, race swap. Celine? Yes. That was what I was literally about to say. She should play Celine. That would actually be... Hilarious. Amazing. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. I don't even know her her deal. Isn't she like some weird immortal, immortal or some shit like that? Magic yeah. or some shit Selena's like that? Yeah, like, Selena's like the oldest mutant we know about. She's I just want to like let you know, if I was 12 right now, if this was 12-year-old Rashida, I would be killing this. Because this was like my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I got you. This was like uh, life. Celine is really cool. I'm going to do an episode on her relatively soon because she has a fun sort of complicated history but yeah she's like the oldest mutant we know about it's like her and apocalypse basically are like the most ancient ones because she drains life force from other people oh that's, that's like naomi power. Again, that's naomi yeah oh, that's it's like naomi would be amazing she and like she would look so good in the outfit and like they'd be calling her the black queen and it would have that extra <laughs> layer to it that would be kind of fun that's pussy uh, yeah like and emma would be the white queen it's like the white queen and the black queen it'd be like the power rangers from back in the day right i love this whole concept i'm like you know, I'm, like, going to go back and actually read the Black Panther issues that Storm is in because I'm, like, really into the concept of them being together now that I know no one liked it. <laughs> I mean, people, there were people who liked it, certainly. I just, if, I think if you were an X-Men fan specifically, 
you just didn't care for it because it took her, she was still in the X-Men books, but it felt like she wasn't around as much. And she used to be the star of the whole book. You know, I always wanted her to have a man, though. I always wanted her to have a man that was stable, who wasn't like a loser. Forge was always like a fuckboy. A loser. So it was good to a loser. get away from that. But I, I always, here's, here's my thing also, like, frankly, I prefer Storm with women. So, like, I love her with Yukio. I was very into Storm and Callisto's weird, like, sexual tension, which is even better these days. Like, in Marauders, when they are reunited recently, like, this past year, at, like, Storm throws a knife at Callisto's face. and That's Callisto so catches hot. It, and that is so hot. I know. And Storm's like, Morlock. And Callisto looks at her and goes, goddess. And then they hug. And I'm just like, this is so sexy. <laughs> like, I am obsessed with that. I want Storm and Callisto to be scissoring all over Krakoa. That I is was actually like, what I want. When I was doing research for the podcast, I, like, found, like, um, some comp, like, some series I never heard of, um, they did like a reimagining of like the X-Men in the 90s and it was like the evil storm clone that took over Wakanda. Yeah. I think that was Claremont's X-Men Forever. Exactly. Right? That's what it was. Yeah. I thought that was the pussiest thing, concept I've ever heard in my <laughs> life. I was just like, oh, see, this is my story. Now this is how I would, my storm movie would be me like tricking to, like taking T'Challa's kingdom away from him. That would be my storm movie. And killing Wolverine. That would be my storm movie. I would kill Wolverine and take over Wakanda. To clarify again for the flat scans, when Rashida says something is pussy, she means that it's cool. So it's not like, it's a different context. Like, like a cool, vernacular. like in a, like a very, like... Cool in a feminine, feminine way. way. Like, yeah. it's like, very, yeah, like... like... it's like a, like a, like a, a bad bitch kind of yeah. moment. Yeah. Because she's like a baddie baddie. I'm just clapping for the straight white men who listen to this podcast who are not going to know what you're saying. But I love like the evil storm though. Because like evil storm is like, you know, like a city girl. Like she's really like about like her action. Other like, what is it? 616 storm is like very like, you know, she does bad bitch things, but she feels bad about it. noble. Yeah. Like she's just like, you know, this isn't really who I am. This is just what I was doing to survive. Alternate storms that are evil are always... I liked um, in Mutant X when it was, like, Bloodstorm, who had been... Like, because there's that whole... Vampire Storm, right? Storm and Dracula in yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, the alternate storm that's a fucking vampire, vampire for the Mohawk <laughs> was amazing. Yeah, that was, was pussy. Like, that's so cool. What was that? Exiles? Wasn't she in Exiles too? the Bloodstorm? They brought, like, a younger version of her from, like, another timeline mm. that where she'd been, like, turned as a teenager... That was recently in the Bendis run, and she and like Teen Cyclops was time traveling. Right. See, I love when they embrace the multiverse aspect of it because the shit is so confusing. Yeah, otherwise, that's why I loved Excalibur right. because oh. I loved how they were always like hopping around dimensions, and like Megan was like, "Oh, look at this world. We're like, this is going on. This is fun." And Kitty was always just like, "This world is insane." And Rachel was always really disturbed because she didn't exist on any <laughs> other world. <laughs> Me, that would have been. I, I find that like I feel like that would happen to me, and he'd be like, "Oh yeah, this is the only reality you exist in. There's a multiverse, but you're not even supposed to be here at all. You're really an anomaly." Like Saturnine's just like, "Oh, you're an anomaly. You only exist in your one timeline." Rachel's just like, "What the fuck does that me, mean? Right. I don't like that I'd at all." So pressed by that. <laughs> I'd have been so pressed by that. Oh my god! I think what was the last X Men thing I like seriously read? I think it was the one where like their kids from the future had visited them or some shit, and like they had like didn't like Storm have like a daughter with like T'Challa or something? It was like a care. I didn't. I 
Oh yeah, yeah. I remember the one you're talking about. Yeah, I, that was like, the last one I remember because I haven't like read this shit like con- like consistently probably since like 2012 because it was just so. I know that to prep for the podcast, you read some of the more recent stuff. Yeah, and I think it's good. I think it's really better than it's been in a long time. Right. Yeah, now. I like the whole concept, the whole Kuroka, whatever you call it, concept. Krakoa. Yeah, Krakoa, it's fun. There we go. It, it's fun because it's sort of like after 50, 60 years of Magneto versus Xavier ideologically. Mm-hmm with Emma kind of having this third concept of like how the mutant should behave. It's fun that this is like all three of them agreeing with mm-hmm. each other. So it's like, they all agree because Xavier doesn't want them to kill humans that like, okay, we won't kill humans. But Magneto's like, but we should live on our own and like have our own country. And everybody's like, okay, that's fine. And then Emma's like, and we should dominate the free market and become extremely wealthy so that we have power. And they're like, that sounds God. good. Can you manage that part for us? And she's like, yeah, I've got that. And sets up the Hellfire trading You company. know, I have a, I just, you know, I have an interesting relationship with Emma. Tell me more. I like her. I like her, but you know, she's just too Caucasian for me. I get that. She's the waspiest character that exists. She is the white queen. Literally. It's a funny code name. It's like her and the wasp from the Avengers right. are like the two whitest women at Marvel. Right. And I always assumed that the wasp was supposed to be a pun, that code name, on Janet Van Dyne. Yeah, remember when Mastermind made Storm a slave when he was, like, you know, doing that whole thing with Jean? That was not great, yeah. <laughs> well, the particularly not great part about it is that's during the Dark Phoenix saga when he's, like, having Jean experience all kind of historical past life fantasy things with right. him. Yeah, past life regressions and illusions and stuff. And Storm becomes, like, a house slave. <laughs> But also, it's just like, suddenly she's drawn with blacker features. (laughs) Code it. See? That's what I was saying. It's like very conspicuous. Like, if you look at the page, it's like, suddenly she has like a broader nose. And you're just kind of like, um... But what's one thing that's nice about the more modern artists is that, like, they do draw her with black features now. Like, distinctively. She definitely, like, looks like a black woman, which back in the day, it was a little ambiguous. They just sort of, like, colored her brown and were like, okay... We're done with that. And that was true also of the Asian characters. They were just kind of like colored yellow or like Danny Moonstar was like red. Like her skin was red. I have such a soft spot for the New Mutants. Did you watch that movie? I love those characters. I did not watch the movie because I heard Ilyana is racist. Yeah. (laughs) Also, the whitewashing of Cecilia Reyes and Sunspot really bothered the hell out of me. So I was just kind of like, I'm not, I'm going to give this a miss. Like, here's the thing. Sunspot has been drawn ambiguously sometimes because he's mixed from Brazil. And so, like, different artists have different takes. But he's definitely black. Like, that's part of his origin story. Is right. That, like, the white Brazilians are racist to him. His powers literally come from his melanin. I mean, oh, my God. Yes, like, he supercharges his melanin and controls solar energy. Like, that is his power. But also, Cecilia Reyes, though, like, just Google her, people. Like, this is not an ambiguous character. She had braids. She has, Straight like, box braids or, or dreads at all times and is, like, as dark as Storm, sometimes darker, depends on the artist. It was just, like, very... And they cast Rosario Dawson initially and she had to drop out, but, like, that's still not correct. God, really. I remember Rosario took that role in Josie and the Pussycats and that was, like, the single thing that, like, ruined my childhood. I was like, of course the light-skinned girl is playing, like, um, what was her name, <laughs> Valerie? Yeah, Valerie. Yeah, of course the light-skinned girl is. That would have been, like, a perfect movie otherwise. Flawless movie otherwise. She's very good in it, but I can understand that frustration. I mean, like, dark girls never got hired for anything. Anything. Like, like, Angela Bassett got to do stuff sometimes, and that was it. 
she's not like dark dark to me i'm talking about like no i know that's for what me, i'm saying it's like, always, even like, then i'm like... always go for like it's like lupita or like foxy brown like the darker girl it is honestly a shame that and she was great in black panther but it is kind of a shame that they already used lupita in the marvel movies before they had the rights to the x-men because lupita would be an incredible storm right, i mean she's like from kenya and that would have been perfect she's from kenya yeah, yeah it would be perfect Unfortunately, I think her, her role in Black Panther was, like, too major. They can't Gemma Chan it, where it's like Gemma Chan was a blue alien in Captain Marvel. And so they're like, we're just pretending that didn't happen. Right. And letting her be Cersei. But I think that, like, you can't recast Lupita because Nakia in that movie was too important. Right. I mean, you can recast it if you're, like, going to, like, like your idea than not, like, even interacting at first. Sure. I just mean, like, I don't think they would do that because I think they're going to keep the Nakia character and, like, make her continue to be important especially now that they have to sort of reconfigure i mean i think that the the black panther franchise will probably become about those women like shuri and okoye and nakia i don't even want to like i'm like still like in denial about the whole thing i like, know it's, it's, hor- it's horrible and we don't we don't have to talk about it it's so <laughs> honestly horrible. Was, i'm just he was such an incredible talent not even like, truly horrific. i haven't even like you know how you just have not processed this whole like time period no i get it it's, i like, fully get such it such dark times I have not been that shocked by, like, an actor dying since, like, Heath Ledger. It was, like, a similar moment where I was just, like, how, like, we're never going to see another performance by this person? Like, how is that possible? He's so young. My thing was, like, it was that whole energy, of course, but then, like, my whole thing was just, like, wow, I just hated that he had to see all the stuff people were saying about him, like, online. I know. Like, about his appearance. I know. That whole idea. Like, oh, he's so skinny. Yeah, yeah and it like, was, oh, and it was, like, a lot. Horrible. It wasn't, like, oh, a, a subject of people, a sub, one sub, it was a no. lot of comments. Well, and that goes to show you, like, you never know what the hell's going on with people, and you should be careful when you talk shit about someone losing weight or gaining weight in particular. Like, I remember when Kathleen Turner gained a lot of weight and people were so vicious about mm-hmm. it and then she was like i have rheumatoid arthritis and i'm on prednisone so sorry that i'm not sexy anymore i'm still an incredible actress fuck right. you and everybody kind of felt bad because they thought she had just like gotten fat and it's like listen if she had still not right. your business but also like you don't know why i mean as someone who spent many years as a very very heavy person you never know what's going on with people. Exactly. So it's just like a thing where, you know, it's like, mind your business. What would you like to see Storm do in like the future if with the character? Like if you got to write her apart from the not evil Storm, I understand <laughs> that you would love to write evil Storm, but like Storm who's a good guy. What would you, what would be like a fun twist for the character? What would you think? What would you find to be to be she? Well, number one, it's like, where are her cousins? Like, why doesn't she have any cousins? Where are the cousins? Where is the family? Like, I don't know anything about Give us the thing. Monroe family. Yeah, yeah, it's like a whole thing that they just do not ever talk about like that. Like, a whole kind of aspect of the character. We could really be bring, br- bridging the gap here, you know, with the, all the diaspora, the, the African Americans. Yeah. Know, it's just the whole thing. We can bring it full circle. You know, like they did with Black panther that was cute when they did that i thought that was a cute little nod it's like one of the i'm not going, yes, like it was one absolutely. of the cute little elements in the movie that i did like that he added in um that i just want her to be like you know more of a like a baddie i like the the bad storm stories or like you know when she's like like you said when she's off with Callisto or she's off with like yukio when she's just like kind of doing her thing and like not like doing the whole noble goddess thing like you know and like being very self you know sacrificing and like thinking about what other people are care or taking care of everybody else and just like you know her own kind of like thrills and you know what what does she want to do like you know in terms of like her as like a hero and like a person you know 
Also, I love the concept of fucking your ex-husband. So, like, fucking T'Challa, definitely, but not being that with him. That would be him. fun. That's, like, yeah. my favorite thing that, like, you know, women do is, like, you fuck your ex-husband when you're bored. <laughs> or, like, you know, you see him having, like, a little bit of happiness or making a new family. And you come in and dangle the possibility of getting back together. And then you rip it away. And then he loses all his trust in, like, you know, the other women. And you stop him from getting married, you know. I'm really enjoying the dynamic on Krakoa between Scott and Emma because they've been broken up for a while now and Scott's back with Jean and with Wolverine, which is... Oh, they finally pulled the trigger on that? I listen. Oh, yeah, the three of them are living together. Don't even tell me. I haven't read that far. Let me tell you something. I was on Twitter. I got in an argument with a bunch of like, you know, I'm like, I'm like a, you know, since I get through, I have a lot of the, you know, like male followers and like, you know, I'm always, you know, radicalizing them. (laughs) You know, my whole thing is I want two husbands, right? Yeah, well, you when you posted the, that picture where it's like me and my two boyfriends. No, that is like my ultimate goal in life. And I have read this like super long fan fiction about like Cyclops and like Wolverine. Oh, honey, we have all read all. Yeah, that like with shit. Every like, queer, every queer expert. Yes, that's like my favorite is. thing. Them, con- that's my favorite trope is them consoling each other, like from enemies to lovers. Yeah, my favorite absolute favorite concept ever so here's it's not really a spoiler because they never say it explicitly but it's like very heavily implied (laughs) so what's going on right now is gene's back to life and everything and scott has set up this house called summer house on the moon where gene died as phoenix and all of the summer's family lives there together it's like scott and alex and rachel and cable and Jean is there with them, except Wolverine also lives there with them. And Jean's room, they give you a floor plan of the house. And all of the rooms are like these individual pods, all the bedrooms, except Jean's room adjoins on either side with Scott and Logan's rooms. And all three of them are connected. Oh, I love that. And then there's like been a couple panels where Scott is kind of like rests his hand on like Logan's abs for a little too long. Or things like that. Or, like, Scott's trying to convince Logan to come. He and Gene are taking the kids, like Rachel and, and Cable, because Cable got turned into a teenager because of a timeline thing. Oh, I hate that stupid uh, shit. That's so, like, dumb. He, I didn't like it because, like, Cable was, like, a daddy Hot. that I enjoyed. But, yeah. But Teen Cable is growing on me because he's very funny, and Jerry Duggan is writing him really well. And he's dating all five of the separate cuckoos, which I think is extremely funny. And Emma's annoyed about it. And it's like, Scott, your son is dating all of my daughters. Her daughters? Yeah, because they were cloned from her eggs. It was a stupid plot, but it's funny now. They've made it funny. So he's like, Scott's like, Gene and I are going to take the kids to the beach in like the Shi'ar homeworld. Do you want to come? And Logan's like, well, Jeannie in a bikini. And then Scott goes, Scotty in a Speedo. And Logan's like, well, who would want to miss that? <laughs> they're like, they're all definitely fucking now. It's we extremely, I love it. I'm like, the stri- there's like a lot of straight boy like nerd like rage fans who are furious about it and i love that the writers are just like we don't care it has a very like chris claremont era everyone is kind of bisexual and fucking everybody vibe from the 80s well, that's what so, happens that's my favorite x-men vibe so i'm really enjoying this a lot i feel like everyone being polyamorous is like the zenith of any yeah. like, good friend group but that's just what happens that's just queer people yeah like, all of our we just like all fuck our friends <laughs> we just do 
I'm sorry. I don't mean to speak for everyone. I can't do that because like all my friends are like girls and they're all like lesbians. Well, right. That's, that's like, different. Yeah. No, know. that's also true. Like most of my friends are queer women. See, yeah, they, and you know, they hate, but... they hate the straight girl playing in the gay pool thing. Like they hate it. And right. I'm the queen. No, they don't want you to dabble. And I'm the queen yeah, of right. dabbling just because, you know, I like... <laughs> Anybody who tells me I'm pretty is like, oh, you're it's you're in there. Of course, that's all right. it takes. Oh, I'm pretty. Okay, and you worship me. And girls are so good at giving compliments. The way they compliment you and like validate yourself. That's why I can see how like you know Storm got all caught up with Yukio because the girl was just like very like validating and like like you said probably was like you know really good head game. All of that, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm just like obsessed with that pairing as a Storm and Yukio thing. I love that. I like. I've always just wanted Storm and Callisto to make out, so that's where I would like to see it go right now in terms of Storm's love life. But because when I was a kid and there was like it was so charged, it was exciting to me as like a little gay child. I was just like, they want to have sex. Like I could tell. You know right. what I mean? Like it was like, and it felt sort of like a secret that only I knew. Like that Chris Claremont was communicating like privately to me. But in general, yeah, Storm and Yukio is just killer like that's just good shit and they brought yukio into the fox movies and made her like explicitly a lesbian what fox movie it she was in deadpool 2 did i watch that oh wait that was the one with the time warp right yeah 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 star shatter was in there for like five seconds yes yeah so they brought in yukio like basically just an oc version of yukio OC, for people who did not grow up reading fan fiction like we did, is original character. Like, an OC Yukio to be the girlfriend for the OC Negasonic Teenage Warhead that they created. For that was Yukio. supposed to be Yukio? Yeah. Huh. I know. It's bare, bore no resemblance to Yukio, but at least it was like, here's Yukio and she's gay. I'm like, okay, I'll take it. But no, I would love Yukio to uh, to pop back up and, and rock Storm's world again. That would be fun. I can tell. You're very here for, like, woman loving woman Storm. I love that concept. I, I mean, I went to Oberlin, girl. Like, all my friends are lesbians. That's my whole vibe. <laughs> but also, like, Yukio is not a mutant, like, in the comics. Mm. They made her mutant in that Deadpool movie, but she's not a mutant in the comics. And so with the Krakoa Separatist thing, like, I am interested in... I was saying this on the Nightcrawler episode, like, I want Amanda Sefton to pop back up. Because I think that the human love interests who, like, are not necessarily super... Won't feel super welcomed on Krakoa. That's, like, an interesting story idea to me of, like, exploring that. And, like... If Storm and Yukio start dating, it's like, does Yukio come live on Krakoa with Storm? How does Yukio feel about that? Like, Yukio's chill with mutants, so I don't think she'd have a problem with it. Right. But, like, will the mutants be chill with her hanging out? Northstar's husband lives on Krakoa, so it's clear that it's, like, not an issue. But it's still just kind of like, I don't know. I think it's an interesting point of tension that they could explore. I'd pr- um, I would probably be, like, very Dr. Umar about, like, Hukoria. Like, don't bring, like, you cannot bring your, like... <laughs> You can't bring your non-mutant spouse to Kokoa, like, at all. Like, that would just not happen with me. Like, I would just not be into that at all. I I think that's a fair opinion. I just think that that's... We should explore these political concerns. You know, that, that would have been me. You know, who else would I like for Storm who's, like, not a woman? I always thought her and Gambit were cute, in my opinion. Because I'm not, like, a big rogue Gambit person. Like, I just don't really... Me neither. I don't, like, like that. I've never liked that. And I've always liked Remy because, you know, um, anybody who knows me knows that, like, my favorite Southern accent is anybody from Louisiana who speaks. It's like, yes, um, I'm into that. Very into that. I thought you said you're not a Gambit person. I'm not really a Gambit person. 
I'm not a rogue and gambit person. I'm a gambit person. So I like rogue and gambit now. I like how they're written now together, but I hated them in the nineties mm. because I like rogue in the eighties when she was like sort of this white trash, good time girl right. who was a lot of fun. And then in the nineties, it was just like all her like crying about gambit. I was just like, <laughs> this is not interesting to me. I was never into rogue because I just like the whole, I'm like, I'm too slutty to ever want to be rogue. Like, you know, I can't. But so is Rogue. That's Rogue's <laughs> whole problem. That was like, in the 80s in particular, that's her whole issue is that she wants to She's fuck corny. so bad that she'll kill anybody she tries oh my to God. fuck. I was never into Rogue like that. Like, that was just not my girl. I liked her character design and I had all her toys. Yeah, no fair. Yeah, but like, that was like not my girl. Never my favorite, but I do love her in the Claremont 80s stuff because she's just a funny, she's just a funny counterpoint, like to Storm, who's so elegant and like Betsy, who's so elegant. And they're both just like, who is this right. person? Like, no why class. Am I, why am I being forced? Why am I being forced to interact with this human right. being? <laughs> like, it's just like very funny. She's hanging out with us. I and guess. she's always like, she's always fighting with Dazzler. Who's like also kind of, you know, a little trashy and they're fun together. Like that's, it's good stuff. God, Dazzler. That was another fun one. We love her. Yeah. I love Dazzler. Friend of the show. Yes. Friend of the pod, Allison yeah, Blair. Friend of the show, Allison. I've always loved that name, Allison. It's a good name. I never can say Storm's like actual name ever. Never. Aurora. Can't do it. Because she's just Storm can't to you. Say it. Can't yeah. say Aurora. I can't say it. I like it. I always thought it was pretty. But I do just think of her as Storm. I've noticed that, like, when I'm talking on the podcast about characters, I usually will call characters by their real names. But, like, I always call Storm Storm. Well, that's her mutant name anyway, so, yeah. Well, and on Krakoa, they're really getting into that. Yeah. Like, they're very mutant much name. like, your mutant name is your real name. Yeah, not your slave name. Exactly. It's very that. And Storm is the one who now, on Krakoa, whenever they resurrect, she's like, who is this? And they all go, Cyclops. She's like, this is Cyclops. What is he? And they're like, a mutant. <laughs> so like, she's the one doing the like Chaka Khan kind of thing where she's just like, we're claiming our, our true names. Yep. Which is cute. But she does, she does say at one point, she's just like, my friends can call me Aurora. Like that is Yeah, just name. relax. Like, it's it's okay. This is like a political statement. Yeah. She's like, I'm being Yeah, we don't have to do this in like, private. You can, right. It, like in private, you can call right. me Ro. It's like fine. Yeah, no, she and Gambit were a little cute. My thing with them is just that like, when they met, when Gambit yeah, the introduced, whole DH thing. yeah, right. she's like 12 because of Nanny's right. experiment. So like that was too weird for me. And then I know a lot of people love the idea of Storm and Wolverine together. And they were fucking for a minute. Wolverine's like community dick, though. That doesn't count. Yeah, that is the thing. Wolverine is community dick. And I want better than community dick for her. Like if she's going to be with a man, I want her to be with a man who just like worships Storm and is there for Storm. That's why I want from her and T'Challa. Forge was that, but Forge is just like kind of a douche. Right. So I don't know if they're like truly meant to be. I love Forge. I'm not like criticizing Forge as a character. I don't love I just Forge. Don't know that I don't like Forge. I don't know that they're that compatible. He's fun lately. They brought him back as like a real bro. And he's like inventing all this Krakoan weaponry with the plants that are like growing on the, on the island. And it's, it's you know, really, I have something fun. to read because I haven't like been able to. And I normally like wait years for comic books to be finished. Cause you know, I don't like, I read them so fast. This one is worth reading when, as it's coming out, this stuff, it's a really good run. It has, I haven't been this excited about the X-Men since Grant Morrison, which was like such a, a, a breath of fresh air. Mm. And this is similarly like just such a breath of fresh air. It feels like really invigorated and it's such a bounce back from all of that house of M decimation stuff that stupid. I just thought was so boring and stupid. Stupid, stupid shit. 
yeah, I'm like, 200 mutants are the only ones left? Like, miss me with that. I don't, like, because, I'm sorry, if you did a storyline where it was like there's like 200 gay people left or 200 black people left or whatever, like, that would not be cute. That's like my favorite thing, though. It's so funny that you <laughs> mentioned that because, like, my favorite meme is the one of Wanda saying no more mutants, but instead of mutants, it says no more gays. Yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> poor Wanda. People are always putting horrible words in her mouth. It's so it's fucking true. funny. Yeah, no, when, like, when the gays are acting up on Twitter yes. and someone posts no, Wanda crying and saying no more gays it, it is that is a funny meme it's so fucking funny that is that is funny god I always thought that Storm and Cable would vibe actually like mm. if he comes back his his proper age that would be he hot. was so hot like on the cartoon I remember being so into him remember my brother used to like make fun of me he's like oh you want to be Storm and what are you going to do go make out with Gambit he 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 my brother that's like my brother's peak humor like Right. Everything is funny. Any anything that involves me that I like is like a joke to him. It, it does even right. if it's like oh, like I'll tell oh my brother I'm like writing a book. He's like oh you're gonna write a book he 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 like when is it gonna be about <laughs> sex and he'll laugh or make make fun of it or you know like you know make very Rob Kardashian calling Kim a hoe. That's my brother's humor towards me. Like it's like it's very much like oh you're a, you dress like a slut ha 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 ha. Like it's very like that. But no, it was so funny because he thought I was into Gambit. But I totally never wanted to fuck Gambit. I wanted to fuck Cable. Well, talk about community dick. Gambit, like I would. Cable and Bishop. Cable and Bishop. That's who I wanted to fuck. Cable and Bishop. Storm and Bishop also have good chemistry. Bishop is a good medium because he's not like all like pure like T'Challa is in a way. Well, I don't know. I don't really read Black Panther, so I'm only really familiar with his movie characterization because like I just again yeah. never cared. Like it was not that Bishop gets more down and dirty yeah. in, in the That's muck what she sometimes. Needs. She needs someone who can hold her down. Yeah. And also like I loved when Storm was in Australia and Bishop is like Australian Aboriginal, so they could go like have an outback journey together. That would be Yeah, cute. that was always confusing because on the cartoon they just made him like regular black. Well, it was never clear in the comics whether he was Australian aboriginal but it was sort of implied always that he was connected somehow to gateway right the aboriginal teleporter that the x-men were were friends with and then claremont confirmed in extreme that gateway is bishop's great-grandfather because bishop's from the future and that bishop's parents had been like aboriginal refugees from when australia got nuked but people just draw him however they want and they kind of just like do whatever they want they draw him like a black man like all the time it's confusing because out there they do use that term out there black. They go, they're called they do black, use the term right, black yeah. like, politically or whatever um but right. they're not like it's not like the same thing like you know it's a different ethnic group or whatever people who write this or they're all like so racist and lump them lump us all together because i remember i remember bishop having dreads and their hair does not like you know lock up like that and the way the R's does. So that does not, that just makes no sense to me. Gotcha. Well, uh, that's above my pay grade. Exactly. So I will, I will leave that to you. But that's why I'm here, because it's not above mine. No, absolutely. <laughs> I'm. This is why, listen, I very much, I mean, I wanted you specifically, but if you were not available, I was like, I'm not doing a Storm episode without a Black guest. Exactly. That would be fucking weird. Like, I'm not, I have an Indigenous guest lined up for Danny Moonstar. Like, I want, if we're going to talk about some of these characters who are, like, messy and were created by white people... I definitely want to have like people of those backgrounds on the show to talk about how they feel about the. So characters. you're like the super nerd. Any of has any black woman written for Storm or written any of those books at all? Um, I'm trying to remember if Eve Ewing has ever written Storm. 
She might have. I can't remember. It's such a missed opportunity. Vita Ayala, who's a black non-binary person, is writing uh, X books right now. I can't recall if they have had a chance to write Storm yet, but um, I know they're a big Storm fan and a big Bishop fan, so I would be excited to see them sort of take on both those characters. They're about to start writing New Mutants, which should be fun. Uh, Yeah, and they're really cool. They're a good follow on Twitter. I mean, honestly, there aren't that many, there haven't been that many Black women writers at Marvel, period. So, you know, that's a, that's a gap. And I don't mean to suggest there haven't been any, because there have certainly been, been some. I mean, oh, you know who's written Storm? Nettie Okorafor has written She's Storm. She's Black Panther, right? On some of the yeah, Black yeah, Panther yeah. stuff, yeah. So there's that. But otherwise, I can't really think of anybody. Like, you know, they had Roxanne Gay do some Wakanda stuff, but Storm wasn't in that. It's definitely something that I think they, and I know because I have friends who work at Marvel, like I know that diversity is of the staff is important to them and is something that they are working on these days. And everybody they hire is unbelievably talented, right. but they, it is a consideration that they are bearing in mind. I mean, there are more women writing at Marvel than there ever have been before and more people of color than ever before, really. So um it is that's also something time. i want from her like where are her black friends where are the black friends that's a good question like, yeah you know, like listen like that's another thing i've never seen like really explored in x-men it's like yeah we're all mutants but i'm still black right you well that and that is something claremont i do think when claremont shifted the book to make it about storm and kitty i thought that like obviously when kitty like drops the n-bomb a couple times to like make a point that's like not ideal but i do think that making the book about a black woman and a jewish girl made it a lot more the metaphor a lot more palatable because when it was just like a bunch of pretty white kids going like i'm an allegory for minorities it was kind of like what you know like so right it to, to have kitty be like well, I mean, the reason I'm worried about how you treat mutants is because my family got murdered in the Holocaust. It like it brings it home a little more. And like Storm will talk about slavery sometimes and just be like, you know, Empire treats people it considers lesser a certain way. I mean, yeah, like, you know, like I was re- like, again, when I was doing research, I was just reading all this stuff about how she didn't think she was good enough for like Tatala because she felt like she's from a lower class or a lower caste mm-hmm. of people. And she was doing all this wild stuff. Like, you know, when she was Egypt, you know, she was stealing all the crazy stuff and she was just like, yeah, right, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I felt guilty about that. So you have that, you know, that whole history of being a sub-Saharan African woman in Egypt to begin right, with is a whole, a whole thing right. that they never even have gotten exactly. into. So she has that going on. And then again, being descended from like African slaves on the other side is like a whole nother exactly. thing. And that whole like lituation, like it's like never like again, none of this like it's all this stuff that has like not been addressed like ever. And like I would like to see someone like who was like a black woman who like, has like, you know, similar experiences like in that way, like being African. They should have her so Joanna Cargill is Frenzy is back in the new book Sword that they just announced. Mm-hmm. And Frenzy was like one of the acolytes. She's been around since the eighties though. Yeah, she's yeah, like yeah, she was yeah. a villain. Um and she's always been like she was always the girl with the natural hair, like the first one, basically, like before right. Cecilia. I think that would be fun because like Frenzy has always been like a separatist. Like she was an acolyte, right? right. So like she and Storm should should sit and, and chat. Also, Storm and Monet have been interacting lately. And like Monet's racial situation is complicated because she's like half Arab and a quarter black and a quarter white, I think. Uh, it's like she's she's from Algeria mm. and it's complicated. But her father is definitely like a black man. But I think 
he's half and then her mother was Arab Berber but she's she she clearly considers herself to be black and they drew her team dark skin most of the time anyway so yeah like well especially they, they drew her light for a while and the fans the black fans were just like excuse me Monet is a black woman yeah. like don't you dare but she she clearly like identifies as black and she's Muslim which is kind of cool because that's not very common with superheroes right uh, she and Storm interacted recently in like the giant size Storm issue and Monet has become a more prominent character recently because she's one of Jonathan Hickman's favorites and I love Monet so that's very exciting to me. I just like always liked her name. Yeah, it's pretty Monet Saint-Croix. Yeah. It's just like very glamorous and she was just like well honestly like Monet is a perfect character for you because she's Emma Frost but black. Exactly. That's like, why I she's, like her. She's like a and rich we also wear our hair, We wear our hair the same exact way. You do have the same hairstyle. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And that's why Monet and Emma can't stand each other because they're like the same person. Right. But like, you know, Emma's proud of her secretly, you can tell. Mm. But like Monet is just like, this white woman is driving me yeah, crazy. Yeah, fuck you. Like, that's just like very clearly her, right. <laughs> I would love to see more with Storm and Monet. You know, but the funny thing is, like, so Storm's best friend was always Jean. Because this is something Claremont did, right? Like, none of the X-Men in the 70s have any problem with Storm being black. They, like, never even talk about it. Kitty brings it up when she meets Storm, but just because Storm has the platinum hair and the blue eyes, and Kitty's just like, wow, like, we have a lot of black kids at my school, but none of them have hair like yours. And Storm's like, that's because I'm a mutant like you, Kitty. And, like, (laughs) they have a conversation about it. Otherwise, it never really comes up. But Claremont made a point of, I pointed out in the Nightcrawler episode that like any German characters who he wants you to like, like Nightcrawler, like they are all friends with Jewish people and Romani people. Just like be clear, this is not a Nazi. Right. And similarly, Jean Grey was always hanging out with black women in the 70s. To prove a point. Storm is her best friend and Misty Knight was her roommate. You know, according to my mom, that just was not how shit was. (laughs) All right, now I'm going to force you to play. I know that you are also a Real Housewives fan, so I'm going to make you play my game that I make everyone play, which is to tell me if Storm was a a cast member on the Real Housewives of Krakoa, what would her tagline be? Do you want me to go first? Yeah, you go first. I may not be a real goddess, but you will pay tribute. Hold on to your wig, ladies, because the storm is coming. See, that's good. That was good. I'm a genius. You are a genius. So you shouldn't have been, I knew you were nervous about coming up with that because you wanted to do her justice, but you you did, you did good. So after the Housewives game, the thing I do now as of last episode, because people requested it, is I recommend um, storylines for people who want to get into the character. This is sort of true of all of the giant size new characters like Nightcrawler and Colossus, who we've talked about previously. You really cannot go wrong with just picking up giant size X-Men number one and then reading from there, you know, just going through the whole Chris Claremont run because it had been canceled in 1970 and, and giant size in 1975 is the first new story since issue 66. And the issues after that were just reprints. So it's, Giant Size X-Men 1, and then you pick up X-Men 94, which was the first new one after Giant Size, and then you just keep reading. And that, I think, is totally a valid choice that you can make. The other option that I think is possible, but if you do this, you will miss the, like, Storm becomes the leader of the X-Men and Storm goes Mohawk and all of that stuff that is really cool. But you can also, as I said, with those 80s characters, start with Mutant Massacre, which is a great event in 1986. 
Mutant Massacre and Fall of the Mutants and Inferno are sort of the three events in a row in the 80s that are really great. And Storm is awesome in all of them. But I do think that with Storm, the best thing you can do is start in 75 because she has such an arc, right. a character arc. And Mutant Massacre hits a lot harder if you like have watched her take leadership of the Morlocks because the Morlocks are the ones getting slaughtered in the massacre. If you have her her backstory with Callisto going into it, because she also like in Mutant Massacre, she has no powers. So she, like you if you've experienced the whole storyline where she loses her powers, like and you know how powerful she was before, it just it hits harder. Omega level. Yeah. And then she gets her powers back in Fall of the Mutants. And then in Inferno, she's just like the baddest bitch on the planet. So I love all that stuff. I would recommend all of it. And I would just say, just start with giant size. The 90s X-Men, again, is like never my favorite decade, but Storm is the leader of the gold team all throughout that period. And if you like Storm, like you can just pick those up and she'll be in them. I do think that after that, a lot of people like the Storm and Black Panther stuff. So if you think you might like it, check it out. I'm just I'm just truly not like an Avengers person, so it just never appealed to me. Right. But there's nothing like objectively wrong with it. And then I would say to kind of just jump to now. I mean, like, Extreme X-Men was, again, it was not a bad book. There's nothing like I, it was not my favorite. It's not Claremont's best, but... It is another Storm-led book, and I would say it's it's worth reading if you're a Storm completionist. But I would really say, like, they ha- they are writing her so well right now. Jerry Duggan in Marauders is writing her so well. I love the way Hickman writes her in the main title and in that giant size issue. And they have promised that she's about to have a really big year next year. So, like, they're building to a big Storm story. So it's a good time to ride the wind, one might say. Love it. Yeah. Do you have any sort of final thoughts before we wrap up? Um, Storm is an icon, number one. Um, number two, um, we need, like, a very sickening Storm. Like, I want her to have her own, like, movie. Like, just fuck being, like, mm-hmm. an X-Men. Like, it's... We've had... How many fucking Wolverine, like, movies have we had, right? Right. No, give Storm her own movie, for Who sure. else is strong enough, like, out of that cast, like, in terms of name recognition, that people know... Wolverine and Storm are the only ones yeah, who like, can no carry Yeah, no one knows any stuff. of those people. No one knows any of them. It's a team book. It's a team book. But those two characters, I think, can can do solo exactly. stuff and it works and that's really much all i have to say is like you know team dark skin storm like cast her find her you know me or someone <laughs> like you know either the same complexion as me or darker like just you know but mainly me i'm mainly pulling for myself you should like do a storm cosplay you would look absolutely sickening in a storm wig that is like my color like if when i'm blonde i'm like a white platinum blonde like when i do blonde hair it's always white like i don't like yellow hair that would be a truly sickening look for you i would love to see that so why don't you tell the listeners where they can follow you on social and etc. You can follow me on all social media platforms, Tumblr, Instagram, and Twitter at Evil Rashida. And my fashion archive is how to be a fucking lady on Instagram. And it is the best, like every fashion house and celebrity and that you can think of, like, follows that archive. Everyone, everyone. And like has it on their mood board. And like Rashida is Every gif you have ever seen of, like, Tiffany Pollard, like, Rashida made those. I didn't make the Tiffany gifts. My sis made them. I just take credit for making them. Okay, okay. 
But I'm just saying Rashida, like Rashida and her friends built the fucking internet. Yeah. Really did. That we all enjoy today. So uh, I pay homage to you and I've been a fan for a long time. So I'm excited to be your friend now and to be working with you. And I'm so glad you came on the pod to talk about Storm because I can't think of anyone I would rather talk about Storm with. You can follow Cerebro uh, on Twitter and Instagram at CerebroCast. You can email Cerebro with any questions, comments, or concerns at CerebroCast at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Dream of Organon or on Instagram at Connor Goldsmith. I work from home and I'm on Twitter all the time for my job. So I'm always game to chit chat on the Cerebro account between my conference calls or whatever. So please feel free to interact. I've really enjoyed getting to, to chat with listeners and um, I really appreciate all the support. This is a very new podcast and the listenership already and the analytics and stuff. I, I really am moved because I didn't know that this would take off the way that it has. So thank you all so much. I really hope that you'll all stick around and, and continue to listen and engage. And uh, I I'm hoping to run this podcast for a million fucking years because it's a blast to do it. So until next time, everybody. Bye. Bye. X-Men. X-Men. In the 21st century, evil mutants led by Magneto aim to destroy the world. The only hope is 